This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome back to the WOMED. Wow, it has been such a crazy couple weeks in the U.S., but I, for one, am grateful to be moving forward. This week, I bring you cool gal, Dr. Kate. She's a scientist and neonatologist, and let me tell y'all, six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon is wild. I know I say it every week, but I truly love bringing you badass women. So buckle up and let's go. It is time for that most beautiful of segments, the nursty energy. Women have broken barriers in medicine, in STEM careers, in the judicial system and politics, but now we have broken one of the most pivotal barriers. The United States has elected our very first Madam Vice President. This is monumental for women, for Black women, for Indian women. Women can do it all. Keep sending me your NDE moments. I want to share all of your empowering moments and energy. Please DM them to me on the WOMED's Instagram. This episode is brought to you by EHR Go. Go helps educators teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare. Go is a simulated electronic health record with a catalog of realistic and diverse patient care scenarios included. Find out more at healthpodcastnetwork.com slash thewomed. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash thewomed. All right, Dr. Kate, welcome to the WOMED. I'm so happy to have a fellow NICU person on again. I love any chance I can get to talk about NICU. So I'm really glad that you had the time today to come on and chat with me about it. I'm excited too, because it's hard to find people that are as excited about the NICU as I am. So I'm ready. Okay. This is going to be great because I love and miss the NICU and you're very passionate about it. Okay. We're going to be good. This is going to be great. How long have you been working in the NICU now? So I just completed my fellowship this June, which is a three-year fellowship. So I did three years of training underneath other neonatologists. Mm -hmm. So I guess that puts us at about four months of me being a NICU doctor by myself without supervision. That's amazing. Congratulations. Happy four-month anniversary on your attendingship. Thank you. It's kind of hard to believe it's been that long already. And also that's just like such a short period of time since it's the rest of my life. Yeah, I think quarantine and COVID and everything has a lot to do with how that might. It's it's like the last four months feel like the longest and shortest four months of my life. Like I don't remember anything of them. I'm with you because like the days don't matter anymore, right? So no, it's just really every don't. day feels like it lasts forever. But then yeah. also, it's like, was it just 2020? I think it just started. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a lost year in some ways. In, in others, it's been like a good like self-growth reflection. You know, there's, there's still good things that have happened this year, but it's, man, that's one for the books. 
Yes, a lot of self-thinking here, but also self-thinking doesn't create a lot of memories. So I think that's where the time discrepancy comes from. Yes, yes. Okay, so I have my favorite patients that I loved taking care of in the NICU. And I'm just curious if your favorite patients are similar to my favorite patients. So Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> what <laughs> what's your favorite age range, like size of preemie nugget to take care of? Ooh. You know, I am in the minority in the NICU, I think, where I actually find preemies to be so cute. <laughs> like majority of people, including their parents, are like, that looks like an alien. And I'm like, but isn't it's it true. the cutest alien you've ever seen? Yeah. Yeah. They're pre- I love getting those little 500, 400 grammars all nestled in. That always makes me happy. Yes. And I also love making jokes on Instagram about like, I was told there would be no math, but I do secretly love fluid calculations. So <laughs> the smaller babies are actually fun because it's like all night long. You're like, what's the sodium? Let's do this with the total fluids. Like, <laughs> let's do this math. Let's do this. Um, yeah. So I like the physiology of the changing very small neonates. Yeah, that's always a lot of fun. There's there's so much math that people don't really think about that goes into, you know, calculating drips and making sure that the drip rate is correct based off of how many kilos. And then you're like, this baby is not even a kilo. We're, we're at 0.38, you know. <laughs> so many decimal problems in the NICU. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you're not comfortable with decimal points, you might not want to work in the NICU. <laughs> <laughs> So I do miss the preemies. I actually work mostly at this point in a level four NICU, so independent children's hospital, which means we don't have obstetricians and therefore we don't really have preemie deliveries. Um, So I am, I'm seeing more infants these days and babies with congenital anomalies than actual premature babies, but they happen occasionally. Okay. I haven't worked at a children's hospital that's not also affiliated with an adult hospital. So like everywhere I've worked, we've always still had like a delivery team and gone up for, you know, we have like our, our micro preemie units and then we also have our surgical kids. So that's that's interesting that that you you only get to you don't get your preemies. Yes, my residency program was like that, where Mm -hmm. the delivery hospital was next door. And Mm -hmm. our delivery hospital is actually also next door. But our NICUs are so big that there are separate NICU teams at each hospital. Oh, so yeah, so there's like a whole team next door that has most of the preemies and gets to go Mm -hmm. to the deliveries. And then when I'm on call, I am doing both. So that's when I might get preemie deliveries and different preemie like uh, management. But Mm -hmm. when I do my service time and, you know, go in and have my own team that I'm managing, that's completely at the level four hospital. Is that NICU still technically considered part of the children's hospital then? 
So it's kind of complicated because yes, they're different. So the doctor group is the same, all the same children's hospital doctors, but the Mm -hmm. nurses are hired under two different hospitals. So there's the set that's at our level four and there's the set that's next door at our level three. Um, And they're completely separate. At Vandy, where I used to work, we had Stallman, which was over in our delivery, like adult side. And like we would have separate nurses, but our nurses would float, you know, or not like float, but, you know, you might be assigned installment today or you might be in the children's hospital or you might be on the charge team over installment or you might be charging, you know, the NICU and stuff like that. So we, while being like two separate hospitals, I guess since it's all Vanderbilt, we kind of got away with it, but they were in two different buildings. That makes sense. I think that's. Yeah the more prevalent model from what I've heard. Okay, cool. Surgical cases are definitely my fave. That's where I feel like I always thrived. I I like preemies once they hit about, I like, I like that like 29, 30 week. That's, I like, I like that size. That's my favorite size. That's a, that's a good sweet spot because they're new, they're early, but they're not super early. Yeah. And IVs and tegaderm and stuff will still stick to them and not slide off. (laughs) Such a practical response. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I love that. I know there's Nikki nurses that are laughing because you think about, (laughs) I was talking to one of my friends that used to work in the NICU with me the other day. And she was like, she came in to see me and she had like some aquaphor and something. And she's like, how does it keep migrating everywhere? There's aquaphor all over my face now. It's like, Fran, we've taken care of preemies are <laughs> for the majority of our adult lives. You know, aquaphor goes everywhere. You're like, you know, the answer to this. Yes. They become a very slippery little <laughs> being of a human. Oh my gosh. That's so true. Wait. So what's your favorite surgical baby to take care of them. There's so many options. A CDH. I love CDHs. <gasps> they are my favorite. Oh. Absolute favorite. Wow. You, you should come work with me. We have plenty. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe if maybe I'll I'll fly up there and, and work and, you know, do like a part time thing. <laughs> you know, I bet I could arrange that for you. <laughs> well, that'd be awesome. Do you guys do ECMO there too? Yes. So we do ECMO and and I know different like NICUs do it differently where I Mm -hmm. did my residency training. All of the ECMO actually happened in the PICU, uh, but we do ECMO in our, in our NICU unit. Um, And we have about four CDHs, four to five, four in every month. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we have plenty of your favorite patients here. (laughs) We had an entire pod that was just filled with CDHs at one point. There was like six. And it was funny because some had herniated on the right and some had herniated on the left. And all of the like rights were on one side and all the lefts were on the other. And it was <laughs> it was a really wild time in the NICU. It was I was I was living my best life. like a seventh grade dance. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But no, I just I felt like those were my favorite types of patients. You know, I I loved all the drips. I loved monitoring those. I loved drawing labs and just especially the kids that were on ECMO. Like if you had a really great 
ECMO nurse that you were working with, like you could, you could get the babies, you know, cleaned up a little bit more and you could like rotate them because our heads and stuff were getting all flat, you know, and, oh, I, I just love a, I love a clean bed and, and a well tucked in <laughs> child with my numbers where I want them, <laughs> my blood gases where I want them. <laughs> Makes me happy. I mean, that's the crazy thing about ECMO, right? Is you're like, right. this child is on like full bypass life support, however you right. want to describe it. Mm-hmm. But that's when they're like stable. You're like, I can control everything about yeah. this baby right now. Right. It's like they're stable, but they're also, there's still so much to do. Like you're like, okay, it's time to order up some more platelets. Okay. Nope. Now we need some red blood cells. Oh, Oh, okay. You want to run some cryo? All right. Let's do that too. <laughs> yep. There's just still so much product, to do. Product, labs, product. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I felt like, you know, you just thrive in that environment. Ooh. I'm, I'm and... impressed that you were like cleaning them and rotating their heads. That is like full service. I'm sure their parents were always very happy when you were their nurse because that is oh, I appreciate such a that. thing to lose sight of when you're already doing so many other things. Well, those beds get so gross. I mean, I, I mean, yes, there's a, there's a component of, are they stable enough to move and provide these basic cares? But some of these I've, I've had ECMO kids before that, you know, we're a week in and they're in the same like bloodstained bedding that they were when they were cannulated. And I'm like, ah, I hate this. Like, (laughs) I just... They, they they need to be cleaned and they need to be in a bed, but it depends. Like I'll, I'll, I would only do it depending on who is the ECMO nurse and who is the RT. And it's like, you always have plenty of hands on deck to do these things. And a lot of times the docs would jump in and help too, depending on who, who was on and who I was working with, but it's always a fine line, but you can find that line. And with a good team, you can usually within reason make things like that happen right right it's all like I love the NICU team it's a really it can be a really great strong dynamic there's definitely a lot of strong personalities there so a strong dynamic is probably a good way to describe it yes yeah I will say that there I mean you get you get your nurses that have been there for like 25 40 years and they're they're particular. <laughs> they usually also totally know what they're talking about. That exactly. was like my first, my first tip that anytime an intern or a med student tells me, Hey, I'm going to be like in the NICU. I'm like, okay. The nurses are like fierce mama bears. And depending yes. on how you respond to that, it may feel like a lot, but if you are respectful, if you tell them who you are, if you tell them what you want to do or what you're doing, you just have to listen to what they say. And if they say, don't touch this baby right now, there is a reason and just trust that they know more because they've been there longer than you have. (laughs) And so you just have to make your relationship with them and they're not trying to be difficult. They're trying to protect their baby and they're going to do it even if it hurts someone's feelings. There's a lot of truth to that. But by the same token, there still is like some 
some nurses and like, I know I've been guilty of it before too, being like, whoa, 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 like, wait, like you can't, you can't come in here. You can't do this. You can't do that. But nurses need to, to also be a part of the team, you know, and they, they need to know that they can't, man, I'm going to say this wrong. I'm going to get some people mad at me, but (laughs) there's, there's a level of yes, like doctors should come in and, you know, like talk and like engage with the, with the nurses, but the nurses also need to be willing to do the same and, you know, discuss why not just tell, but discuss why, like, I don't want you to come in here and touch this child right now. You know, it, I'm doing a really poor job of explaining this dynamic, but I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is it goes both ways. Like there needs to be a mutual respect. Totally. I mean, you can't, obviously you can't just say, no, you can't do that. But I think also when you are, you know, a medical student or an early physician and you're Mm -hmm. learning in the NICU, you -hmm. need to like have a a healthy um, sense of your limitations and where you don't know what is the dynamic, what, how these babies are treated. And so Mm -hmm. like as an attending now, I, you know, have times where someone says, you know, I don't want you to touch that baby. And I can say like, these are the reasons I have to. Yes. But when you don't know that it's hard to navigate. And so that's why Mm -hmm. I'm always just like, don't take it personally. If you feel like someone's, you know, being mean, they're not being mean, they have a reason. And if you don't come in and explain, you know, hi, I'm Kate, I'm the medical student. This is my child. I need to like examine them because X, Y, and Z, then mm-hmm. you might just get the like, don't touch them answer instead of right. if you take the time to like explain why you're there and what your goals are. Then they mm-hmm. might say, now's not a good time, but at, you know, at noon, I'm going to feed. And when I'm feeding, you're more than welcome to come back exactly. and examine at the same time together. That's what I was, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I'm, I'm more than happy. Like if I've just gotten a baby settled, you know, and, and a doc's coming in, I'll be like, I, like you said, like, I'm going to feed in an hour yet. Can you give me 45 minutes and come on back? And then we can assess. (laughs) As a team, which I actually like doing when we all do it together too. So, yeah, because sometimes, you know, especially like if cards is in there or something and they're like, oh, wow, did you hear this murmur? you know, and maybe I hadn't, you know, gotten to listen to them yet or something. And like, they'll pick up and like, it's a really fun learning experience to be like, okay, you know, where are you hearing this part? Okay. And then listen there. And oh, what are you hearing over here? And it, it can be so collaborative. And I love that. I do. I love when I catch our consultants, because Mm -hmm. I agree, there's so much to learn from working collaboratively together. Yes. And that's what's cool about the NICU is I think a lot of people think it's just preemies, but they don't understand it's preemies with genetic issues, with neuro issues, with cardiac issues, with gut issues. You know, the NICU sees the whole gamut of specialties. Yes, I think I've consulted every specialty we have in the pediatric hospital. So I can confirm that is very true. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what I loved so much about it. It was, it was, I was going to learn something new every single day about any particular organ system, like something was going to, to happen or be taught to me or something like that. It's a very, very cool place. 
Shout out to all the healthcare educators and students listening in. You guys always ask me on Instagram for study tips. You should check out EHRGO. I wish my school had this when I was training to be a nurse. Go uses case-based learning to teach a human-centered approach to technology in healthcare education. Go has over 300 multifaceted patient cases presented in a realistic, simulated electronic health record. And Go helps students build clinical judgment skills while also learning to effectively document within an EHR. When working in Go, students need to evaluate and organize competing healthcare needs into levels of urgency while also making simple to complex clinical judgments about their patient care, just like in real life. Go can be used in all educational healthcare disciplines and within or between programs. It's the ideal platform for interprofessional education. Web-based with no software to download or maintain, Go can be used on any computer or browser for in-person learning or for remote or hybrid lessons. Go is the only educational platform that puts human care at the heart of technology. Learn more about Go by visiting healthpodcastnetwork.com slash the WOMED. That's healthpodcastnetwork.com slash the WOMED. So I was looking through your Instagram and I saw like you labeled scientist in your bio. Are you doing like the NICU research route or what are you working on? Yeah, so I am a basic lab scientist, Mm -hmm. which is even nerdier than it sounds. (laughs) (laughs) I do academic neonatology, which for anyone that isn't familiar with it means I work at a NICU that's associated with a large university. Mm -hmm. And what's really nice for a lot of people is that now means that you can do all sorts of research that is not related to being in a lab, like quality improvement and medical education and all sorts of options exist. But I am going the traditional route. And so I do lab research. And right now I'm studying basically inflammation biology and I'm using that information with nanomedicine to learn more about nanoparticles and how we can use them in different aspects for therapy. So. Okay. What's a nanoparticle? (laughs) This is an excellent question that I myself had when someone told me about, about the project (laughs) that I am now very closely married to, but yeah, yes. Nanoparticles are, they can be lots of different things. They are about the size of viruses, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. That's how it kind of goes along with like inflammation biology is that Mm -hmm. the way they're processed by the body is similar to the way that viruses are. Um, But there is all sorts of things you can make nanoparticles out of. So uh, you can make them out of albumin, which is interesting because we have albumin in our bodies. Mm -hmm. You can make them out of lipids and then they look like very small cells. You can make them out of, there is people who use silver and gold to make nanoparticles. So there is a huge range of things that you can use to make nanoparticles, but they're basically anything that's smaller than the size of a bacteria. Um, And then you can do all sorts of things with them. It's kind of a interesting field in general. Um, It's being used therapeutically already, mostly just in oncology patients, but there are some chemotherapies that are 
um, already in nanoparticle form. And the most common one that I find people know is ambisome is actually oh. a nanoparticle preparation. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so what are you trying to make nanoparticles of as it relates to NICU research? My project is kind of generalized. It's not really specific to the NICU. We're looking oh. at using, yeah. I mean, it should be because I love babies. And I was like, you, you were I talking hope- <laughs> You were talking about inflammation. I was like, are we are we like gut inflammation and like neck research stuff? Because that sounds awesome. <laughs> well, it's really interesting because I started my research career in neck. And yeah. I think that neck is so fascinating. It's such a large, um, like sometimes someone explained it to me one time as saying, you know, if you say I research neck, that's like saying I research cancer. There's so many yeah. different pathways and physiologies Mm -hmm. that come together for neck that you can't just study it. So they were like, you're going to have to be more specific. Mm -hmm. And when I did fellowship, my project ended up changing. So it's not really related to neck. Although I always think, what if there was a better way to give antibiotics? What if I didn't change the microbiome with my antibiotics? And then that Mm -hmm. eventually could be beneficial in terms of neck. But right now, the inflammation part of it is because I'm doing a lot of studies with neutrophils and macrophages. Mm -hmm. And I think the NICU slant on it will be that babies are, you know, their immune system is functionally immature. And so if I find a way using particles to enhance their inflammation response, then perhaps that could be a way that they could fight more infections on their own. Um, It's kind of like a big project with lots of options at this point. Oh, that's so cool. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love hearing about this stuff. I don't necessarily fully understand all of it, but I mean, it just, it sounds really cool and really, oh my God, I can't imagine if you could do that at some point, you know, especially within the NICU population, because like right now, like their, their main source of antibodies and immune protection would come from breast milk. Yes. And then when you have a lot of babies who are on the donor breast milk, it has to be pasteurized, Mm -hmm. which affects the antibodies present in it. Right. And babies are born in this interesting flux where they're still kind of pro-inflammatory but also they're basically their neutrophils are just dysregulated they respond too much to things that they shouldn't but then they can't Mm -hmm. fight infections yeah and so yeah I always say like oh my pie in the sky one day that I'm gonna change the way antibiotics work in babies and (laughs) we're gonna be able to cure their infections better We'll see. That's like a 20 year goal. So I'm starting very small since I'm in basic science laboratory. I'm just even trying to figure out mechanisms at this point. But. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I can't wait to, to follow along with, with that journey the year on. So research is something that you want to, to keep doing alongside being a NICU attending then? Yeah. So I am NIH funded right now, which means I have about 80% of my 
time protected to be in the lab and doing research. And then Mm. I do the other 20% of my time in the NICU, which translates to, I do six weeks a year of quote unquote on service time in the NICU. And then we have, uh, I don't even honestly know the number because it's just less than fellowship. So it doesn't really matter to me, but um, we have a number of overnight calls and 24 hour weekend calls that we do every year. And so that's the time when I'm really focused on the babies. And then most of the time I'm just in the lab. Um, And as long as I can keep getting NIH funding, um, I'm not sure if they listen to the podcast, but if they are, keep funding me. (laughs) then I will have a similar sort of split in my time. That's so cool. I always kind of wondered that. I didn't know if it was common for neonatologists to do both throughout their careers or or if many people were just like, nope, I'm finally done with fellowship. I am just going to be a neonatologist. I think it depends where people work. So the mm-hmm. private practice neonatologists are definitely all clinical all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're at an academic institution, you have some sort of timing split, but um, oh. basic science research in a lab is pretty infrequent at this point. There's not a lot of people that are doing it. Um, I would say there's more people who are doing clinical um, scientific research. And so that they are also scientists. They just do clinical trials, Mm -hmm. um, but they still get the same sort of funding from the NIH and have the same protected time. And then there is now more of an academic neonatologist role, which is, it has a different name everywhere, but it's kind of a split where you do about 50% of your time in the NICU and then 50% of your time doing something else. And so those academic neonatologists usually are not scientists. They may do quality improvement. They may do other administrative things, um, but they're not doing like the rigorous scientific sort of studies that either basic science or clinical researchers are doing. Hmm, Interesting. Very cool. Okay, so I'm curious, anyone who, you know, I talk to and I'm like, oh, yeah, I, you know, work in the NICU, their initial response is, oh, my gosh, it must be so nice to, like, hold and, like, rock babies all the time. When you tell people that you're a neonatologist, is there, like, stereotypes like that for doctors, like, among, like, the different specialties? Mm. I'm not sure that I get very many stereotypes from other specialties. A lot of times when I tell other people like family or friends, you know, like you mm-hmm. go over to a friend's and they they introduce you to someone. When yeah. I say I work in the NICU, they either have no idea what that means mm-hmm. or a lot of people are always like, oh my gosh, that must be so sad. And I am always like, you know, overwhelmingly, I do not have a sad feeling at work. Yeah. Um, You know, I think we have sad cases. Every, Mm -hmm. everyone has patients that weigh on their heart, but um, I feel like a lot of the babies get better. Babies are very resilient. They're so Um, resilient. (laughs) I I mean, biology. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like biology was made for us to survive. So that's like yeah. the, the top goal. Yeah. I tell, I tell dads in the NICU that are scared to touch their babies. I'm like, they'll bend before they break. Like you're going to be fine. You can change a diaper. <laughs> exactly. And that's what the parents are always so scared because they're so little. And right. that's like the nice part about it for me is being able to have that relationship with the parents. And even when we have these horribly sad cases, mm-hmm. I was just think how terrible it would be if parents had to do that alone. And right. so my feeling with that is not sad. I feel grateful that I get to be the person who gets to have that relationship with the parents to become a team member with them, to walk mm-hmm. that journey with them. Um, because I just think like, what a travesty it would be if this was something that you had to do by yourself or without a caring medical team around you. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the NICU is like a hopeful and uplifting place. I feel like I'm still so jaded from from my time like I there are so many days that yes like you know it it was such a hopeful place and and I I could sit there and I could be like yeah but you know we might lose a baby but you know then I think about you know all the ones that you know I've stayed in touch with and you know they're so many years old now and doing great. And it's like trying to find that balance. But then, but then I hear you so much and I feel you so much on, you know, we're with these parents in some of the most devastating and unprecedented times of their lives. And, and I, I used to pride myself on my ability to take care of like the sickest of the sick, you know, and and help these parents through, you know, um, like bereavement care. And, and if we were withdrawing a patient, like I was always the one assigned to them because for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I used to pride myself on being able to like make that moment special for parents, you know, and just like, like you said, like thinking about if they, if they had to go through that alone and without people who have been at the bedside with you, with your baby for days, sometimes months on end, you know, you develop such a relationship with them. And it's like, if they had to go through that alone, it'd be devastating, like even more devastating. But the fact that, I don't know, the NICU is such a special place. Like you, you get so attached, you know, to the parents, the parents get attached to you, like to their doctors, to the people that they see every day. And it's, it's a different little family. It's a, we're like cousins or something, but like aunts, 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 maybe (laughs) aunts and uncles. (laughs) I I went on a little bit of tangent there. No, I mean, I think that NICU nurses are actual angels on earth because you know, when they, when things are really bad, really dire, mm-hmm. obviously I am there minute to minute standing with the family, right. but the day to day stuff is like you said, you, like you guys are the ones that are becoming a member of their family, right? They see mm-hmm. you 
more than they see their own family members when their child is in the NICU for many months. And you are the ones who are on the front lines, seeing every change with the baby, really going through everything with the parents. And I just, I thank God every day that NICU nurses exist because Mm -hmm. you are all doing God's work. (laughs) I appreciate that a lot. I miss the NICU a lot, but then there's parts of me that I'm like, oh man, I don't, I don't think I could do it. I still don't think I, I could, you know, go back. Like I miss it, but I don't know. I don't know if I even have like the time and emotional energy for it anymore. I feel like a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is, it's a hard, it's a hard place to work. And that's even before I did NICU, I was always very, you know, much an advocate of Mm -hmm. self-advocacy and wellness and finding the work-life integration that Mm -hmm. works for everyone. Um, And I think in the NICU, that's really important because it's really heavy there. And it's hard to, it's hard to explain to other people who haven't who haven't been in that sort of situation, mm-hmm. what it's like to be that person, to be that support for a family. Yeah. Because then you go home and and you need to figure out how you're going to get your support. And it's hard to it's hard to get that from other people. So you really have to start to be self-sufficient. Yeah. But it's hard to do that stuff alone. So I understand when people <laughs> say like, I need, I need a step back. I need like a Yeah. Yeah. Like I need a rotation where I can like show up, do my job and go home and not have to like think about it because I felt like everything was fine at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. What initially drew you to the NICU? An excellent question. Uh, I actually went to medical school to do pediatric hematology oncology. Yeah. So I didn't think about the NICU at all <laughs> um, Same. until <laughs> until I was on my obstetrics rotation. Mm-hmm. And the first time I was in the room and a baby got delivered, the baby came out and they handed the baby to a pediatric team. And so the baby was over in the corner of the room by a warmer. Mm-hmm. And the resident was like, "Hey, Kate, come on, we're gonna deliver the placenta." And I was like, "The placenta, but there's a baby, and they're over yeah. there." <laughs> and they were like, "No, that's that's the NICU team's job. We're obstetrics. We're doing the placenta." And I was like, "Well, how do I get on the baby team? Because that's the one I want to be on." <laughs> um, and so then I did a rotation that was specifically just NICU and learned about. I mean, I think it's so fascinating, right, that there's a baby that's essentially just a parasite on the inside, can do nothing by itself. And then all of a sudden it comes out and all of its physiology has to completely change so that it can live by itself. (laughs) It's truly, it's so miraculous. It's literally, (laughs) the body's so cool. Babies are so cool. And so I was just like, oh my God, they're so cute and they're so interesting and their mm-hmm. pathology is generally fixable so all of that was real bonuses for me how'd you pick NICU I had always been set on peds it was either gonna be peds or L&D 
Like, it just never even occurred to me that there was a unit for premature babies. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know how that that didn't occur to me. But I was in nursing school and I was submitting for an internship for the summer and before my senior year. And I landed in the NICU and I had never set foot in a NICU. I was terrified. And but I was like, but you love babies. So it'll it'll be great. And also, why is this happening? <laughs> yes. So I had an internship uh, for the summer and I just completely fell in love with it. I was like, this is so cool. Like I'm handling these things that are so tiny and, you know, learning <laughs> about, you know, CPAP and, and intubation and central lines. And it just opened up a whole new world. And I've never been more terrified in my life than I was when I was feeding a baby for the first time and they braided on me and I was like, ah, what did I do? <laughs> but yeah, that internship and I, I was like, no, nope, this is what I'm doing. Let's, I love peds, but no, nope, I'm a, I'm a NICU nurse. <laughs> so I was able to find, I, I started working at Children's Hospital, Wisconsin, and I landed a job there. Wait, no, you did that. Did I know that? No. That's where I used to work. <laughs> Shut the front door. CHW. Yes. Yes. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. In Milwaukee. I loved Milwaukee. It was such a lovely place to live. Oh, my God. Did you know um, uh, Christine or like Jenny Glenn? I mean, probably. I mean, I was there 2014 to 2017. So. You were there three years after I left and moved to Nashville. <laughs> you were, oh my so God, I'm going to text a bunch of my friends. <laughs> yeah. I'm very sad that you did not. Mike, the RT, is probably one of the greatest humans and greatest RTs I've ever worked with in my life. So I'm really sad that you didn't get to meet and work with him ever. I was like, what's he not there? I can't. No, Gosh, he... I feel so old. I can't remember anyone anymore. <laughs> Oh my God, that's so wild. I cannot believe you worked at CHW. I, I thought I, I don't, and not that I've been internet stalking you, but I thought I knew everything about you. I have, I, how did I miss <laughs> that you worked there? <laughs> oh my God, that's so crazy. I love This is like wild. Yeah. I love that hospital. I love Milwaukee. I like swore to everyone I wasn't leaving. I was yeah. like, I'm staying here forever. <laughs> were you with like uh, with freighter and stuff too or just or marquette like did you do med school there no i went to medical school in chicago and then okay. i had just gone up there for my pediatrics residency so it's just three years three years too short i was sad <laughs> milwaukee's a great city people don't give it enough credit i know but i keep saying i have to stop telling people that because I don't want it to be like too popular. It's like one of the benefits of it is that people don't realize it's as cool as it is. That's what happened. I moved down to Nashville and then everyone moved down to Nashville. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Nashville sounds pretty really trendy. <laughs> it is. I moved down before like a whole, the whole big slew of people started moving down, but I'm not saying you, I you started the trend. Cool. No. 
But yeah, now we have like 100 people moving here every day. So it's it's a lot. Oh, that is a lot. Yeah. It's not that big. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a very big little little town. Everyone's either in medicine or a musician. So that's it. That's, that's your option. You work in the NICU or you're Taylor Swift. So I would yes. take either at this point, really. <laughs> Taylor Swift is so cool. I wish she listened to the podcast. So That'd cool. be awesome. I wish uh, she was my friend. Like, I don't know how to make that happen. <laughs> We're I'm totally on a weird tangent here now. Um, this is not medically related, but one of my favorite celebrity <laughs> sightings in Nashville. Yes, tell I me was, more, please. Um <laughs> my my friends were playing Pilgrimage Fest and Nicole Kidman walked backstage like behind us and was like watching their set. And I had no idea at the time, but then when everyone was leaving, like Nicole and Keith just like pulled up and I looked and I like waved like I knew them and they're like, hi, and then like, they like drove off. <laughs> you're just casually like oh that's my friend nicole i was like oh hey what's up (laughs) it's embarrassing keith call me (laughs) you beautiful humans are they like eight feet tall in real life i don't know they're sitting in their car (laughs) Mm. Uh, you're tall too though right so you probably notice yeah i don't know i don't know how tall they are Actually, I think Keith's kind of shorter. Anyway, we're on a totally different tangent here. (laughs) Back to derailed. (laughs) We totally derailed. It's fine. You know, we found out we worked at the same place together. This is great. Just at different times. What do you like to do to decompress from the NICU? Um, I love going out to restaurants which has been really terrible during the pandemic because yes option. Um, <laughs> but I like love it's funny because I don't like a huge variety of foods like I feel like my palate is very basic but I love going and trying new restaurants mm-hmm. um, so I don't exactly know how those two things connect but it turns out they do Um, (laughs) so I love doing that I love watching terrible reality tv I'm convinced I like keep the bachelor or the bachelor my god bravo in uh, business (laughs) nice um but I also watch the bachelor which we don't have to talk about right now because I don't know about this season you can text me later (laughs) perfect (laughs) and then you know I have underestimated the power of baths because I didn't yes like hello city living I have not Mm -hmm. had a bathtub in three years and I just got one this summer and I was like how have I been living without this baths are the best self-care and they're so great I mean I've I've come home and like gotten in the bathtub after a horrible night in the NICU and just like sobbed into the tub and it was fine and I got out and I felt better and I passed out Right, your like little, you know, bath bombs and bath salts. Yes. You can play Netflix, you can play music, and you're just like on another planet. Yeah. Oh, baths, self-care and baths. It's, it's better than crying in your car before you go home. <laughs> like that's true. Okay. And I should, I should say working out because that's also something I know to be very important, but I 
this is a lot, but I'm going to admit it publicly right now. I need public shaming to work out. So it was like the first two weeks of quarantine, you know, I'm like, I can zoom work out. And then from there, it was just like, turn the zoom camera off, lay on the ground like in my own house. So I'm like, I can't work out anymore because it's just, it doesn't work in, in the privacy of my own home. I need yeah. other people to be around me. So I feel judged. So I will try harder. Same, same. What advice do you have for upcoming neonatologists? You know, I think all of neonatology stems from loving, like really, truly in your soul, loving babies. Mm -hmm. Because you have to think that their transitional physiology is the most interesting thing you've ever discovered. You know, otherwise you're just there and you're like, my friends in the PICU are always like, oh, but you only get five physiologies. And I was like, five building blocks of physiology, but every baby is different. Like I get babies mm -hmm. all the time that I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I know this, that, and this third thing. And the way I can put those together for you is, so I always tell people just like, if you don't in your soul love babies, it's just not the right spot for you. I love that. It's very true. Where can people find you? Are you are you open to people like messaging you and like Nikki questions and stuff like that? I love messages and I especially love Nikki questions. There's not that many of them that I get, so I will I will answer all sorts <laughs> of random questions. Awesome. But the the main place that I exist is on Instagram at mm -hmm. Dr. Kate R or Dr. Cater, a lot of people say, but doctor, which is D-R-K-A-T-E-R. -E awesome. Well, Dr. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I know we, we totally went off on a little bit of tangent there. It's, it's fine. That's what happens when you're talking to people and you make a random connection. <laughs> I mean, I'll take responsibility for that because I do a lot of tangents in real life. So that's probably my fault that I derailed us. No, I'm not sorry though. <laughs> I'm I'm not sorry either. That that was great. I I love finding out that people used to work like at at a place that I loved so much. So thank you again so much. Again, you guys can follow along with Dr. Kate at Dr. Kate R on Instagram. And yeah, I think I think we're good. Thanks for inviting me. Huge WOMED thank you to Dr. Kate. I literally had no idea we had both worked together at CHW. Great hospital, by the way. Shout out to CHW. Make sure to follow Dr. Kate on Instagram at drkater. So it looks like Dr. Cater. Make sure you follow along with me at the WOMED and send me any guest requests. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast, like it, Maybe leave a review if you have some time. I really appreciate it. Till next week, WOMED out. Out.